Man, it is great to see you. This is part four of our Seeing Red series. And it's hard to believe that we're already over halfway done with this series. And uh, this is the halfway mark. Listen, in all seriousness, if you have missed one or or, or two or all of of the installments of of our series called Seeing Red, where we're talking about what the Bible has to say about anger, make sure you go to our website this week, nextlevelchurch.com. You can download the video there, the audio there. You can subscribe to the podcast. Listen, we have hundreds of people every single week who are who are watching us online or listening online. I ran into three different groups of people this week who said to me, "Hey, we watch you every week on podcast." So, by the way, what up? So, good to see you guys. Anyway, uh, no, make sure you get caught up because we're talking about what the Bible has to say about anger. And, and actually, this week I was talking to someone and they made the comment. They said, you know, when you said you were going to talk about anger, I was like, oh, good. That'll be a great series because I got anger figured out in my life. I don't know if you can relate to that. And, and I kind of heard it and they said, and then they went on, they said, man, every week it just feels like you are slapping me in the face. <laughs> Good. That's good. That's good. That's what we want. And hopefully not me, but we want, want Jesus to, to, we want Jesus to slap you in the, no, <laughs> let me just, no, we're, we're excited about what the Lord's doing in your life, brother. That's what I meant to say. So anyway, okay, listen to this. We've gotten hundreds of messages. We got this one on Facebook this week. I just want to read a portion of this. It says, thank you, Pastor Matt, for the message on selfish anger yesterday. You opened my eyes to a big piece of the puzzle. Yesterday, I realized that not only do I need to forgive the person who inflicted the anger on me, but I also need to forgive myself. And I just thought, man, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's, that's why we do what we do. That's why we're taking the time to talk through this issue of anger in our life, because it's real, isn't it? It's real issue. And so this week in part four, we're talking about medicating our anger, medicating our anger. If you have your bulletin, I would love for you to follow along there. Or if you have a smartphone, you can follow along on version on your smartphone. And I want us to talk about one particular person who is a leader in the Old Testament. He's a famous person from the Bible. His name was Moses. And I want us to look at actually two uh, moments in time in Moses' leadership journey in his life where he dealt with anger and specifically how he medicated his anger. So if you have your Bible or your smartphone, turn with me to Numbers chapter 20. That's where we're going to be first. Numbers chapter 20. And then in a moment, we're going to rewind the tape back to Exodus 17. Numbers chapter 20 is where we're going to start. And where we pick up the story, the children of Israel have been, have been delivered out of Egypt. God used Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they've been wandering in the wilderness, trying to get into the promised land for 30 years. Eight years. That's where we pick up the story. Numbers chapter 20, verse 1 says this. In the first month, first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zen, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam, who was Moses' sister, died and was buried. Verse 2. Now, there was no water for the community. And by the way, the community was several hundred thousand people strong. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Verse 3. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Verse 5. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, no grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. So here's Moses. 
with several hundred thousand strong who have now come up against him in opposition. He's been leading them for 38 years. They come up in opposition and they say, seriously, we're in the middle of this desert and there's nothing to eat. And more importantly, even there's nothing to drink. So Moses and his brother Aaron, who's kind of a spokesperson, they were like, okay, hang on. We got to go talk to God. So look what they do. They, verse six, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. So God shows up. Verse seven, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So what's the plan? The plan is this. Moses and Aaron, they go into the tent and they're like, God, what are we supposed to do? We get all these people. And, and uh, God says to Moses, here's what you're going to do. Take your staff, your big stick, and I want you to go out and you see that rock. I want you to simply speak to the rock and the rock is going to open up and water is going to gush out for all of the people and all of their livestock. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, pause the story right there for just a second and here's why. Because this isn't the first time Moses and the people of God have been in this desert. And in fact, it's not the first time that they have actually stood before this huge rock, this boulder that God is referring to with Moses. If you rewind the tape 38 years to when the children of Israel were just fresh delivered from the hand of the Egyptians. They had only been out of Egyptian rule for hundreds of years. They'd only been delivered for a few months the first time they're in this desert. And we find the story in Exodus chapter 17. Look at this. It's eerily similar. Look, Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? And others, come on, guys, trust the Lord. Verse 3, but the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? They said the very same thing. Verse 4, then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And look at God's reply, verse 5. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders or leaders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. And go, verse 6. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. This is the exact same scenario, only 38 years before. And there's one small difference. Did you catch it? In Numbers chapter 20, the latter version, the one we read first, when God gave Moses instruction, what did he tell him? He said, take your staff, go out and speak to the rock. 38 years earlier in Exodus chapter 17, God spoke to Moses and he said, take your staff, go out before the people and strike the rock. 
which, by the way, is a picture, a typology, a typography, a picture of, an Old Testament picture of Jesus, the rock, being struck, crucified for the sin of mankind that the water of the Spirit, the water of life, might flow to all of humanity. So this is God saying, giving us a picture from the Old Testament, from the life and ministry of Moses, of Jesus only needed to die once for the sin of mankind. Don't strike him again, only strike him once. The next time, all you have to do is speak to him. And when you speak to Jesus and confess your sin, the Bible says, then the water of life will flow through you. So this is a picture that God's giving us thousands of years before Jesus arrives on the scene. So, Numbers chapter 20, 38 years later, he says, go out, take your staff, speak to the rock, and water will flow. Rewind 38 years before, in Exodus chapter 17, God says, go out, take your staff, a symbol of people, and strike the rock, and I'll, I'll make water flow. That's the difference. One, he says, speak. The other, he says, strike. So, let's go back to the 38 years later version. Ready? Here you go. This is, this is the latter version. Numbers chapter 20, look at what Moses does. Verse 9. He gets the command from Jesus, go out, take your staff, assemble the people, speak to the rock. Verse 9. So, Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. Verse 10. And Moses said to the people, he gathers all the people around. Listen, you punks, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Verse 11. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Did you see it? Did you see it? In Exodus 17, God said, strike the rock. 38 years later, in Numbers 20, God said, speak to the rock. But when Moses went out there, he got angry. And when he got angry, what did he do? He gathered the people around. He said, come here, come here, come here. Okay, come here, you punks. Come here, you idiots, you rebels. Come here. You want water? You need water? You want something to drink? 38 years later, you ask him the same question? And he struck the rock twice in anger. In anger. And my contention to us this weekend is that any one of us put in a similar scenario would do the very same thing. Now, of course, I know some of us right now, you hear me say that and you're like, bro, Brother, <laughs> pastor, not me. Okay, get over yourself. <clears throat> Let me see if I can put this in some terms we can relate to. Okay, ready? Okay, here you go. F- full disclosure. I am, I am 37 years old. So, I know, I look young. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, you weren't so spiritual there, were you? Okay, here's, okay, watch this. Okay, so imagine, pick a group, your, your small group, your connection group, uh, your department at work, or your in-laws, okay? Y- you choose, okay? It's your choice. Pick a group, watch. Now, rewind 38 years, okay, 38 years ago this weekend, guess what? Richard Nixon was president. Some of you, you, you don't even, you're like, Who? Okay, Obama, Bush, ready, stay with me, Clinton, Bush, Reagan, Carter, Ford, not the car, 
Nixon. Okay? 38 years ago. Now, imagine you are the leader of your group, your connection group, your department at work. You're in, okay, okay. And, and 38 years ago, this weekend, your group comes to you and says, we have a problem. We have a huge problem. You got to help us with this problem. And Richard Nixon is president. A gallon of gas was 55 cents and the average home cost was just under 37,000 for a home. Okay. Are you depressed yet? Me too. Anyway, get over it. Nixon's president. We're good. Okay. Ready? Your group, your small group comes to you, your in-laws, your department, they come to you and they say, hey, we got this huge problem. So you come to me, you're like, okay, let me pray about it and you talk to the Lord. Okay, here's how we solve the problem, okay? And you fix their problem. Now, fast forward to today, 38 years later, okay? The same group of people come to you and they go, hey, 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 hey. They call you on your cell phone, right? Okay, they didn't have those in the Nixon administration, right? Okay, they had other recording devices, but they didn't have that. But <laughs> you asked about, about 60% of the crowd is, doesn't even appreciate that joke at all, at all, at all. They're going, dude, the last time your shirt was cool was the Nixon administration. I'm good with that. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so you get a call this morning. From the same group of people, same group of people, and they say to you, we have a problem. You're like, what's the problem? And they lay out the exact same problem they had during the Nixon administration, okay? Imagine the frustration. Now, that's a small group of people. Now, multiply that times several hundred thousand. Can you imagine how seeing red Moses must have, can you imagine how frustrated he must have been? How upset? God, are you serious? I have followed you. I have tried to work with these people. I've tried to cloud by day, fire by night. Like, Lord, 38 years we've been wandering in the wilderness, eating manna for crying out loud, which is like a rice cake. Okay, listen. Okay, you got to picture yourself here to understand the the magnitude of most. That's like, try eating macaroni and cheese for three meals a day for a week. Tell me how that goes. Now, imagine eating macaroni and cheese, only drier, blander, and more disgusting, for 38 years while sleeping in a tent, okay? Put yourself in Moses' shoes. Okay, Moses is standing there listening to these people 38 years later going, are you serious? You really haven't learned a thing? You really haven't seen a thing? And any one of us placed in the very same scenario would do exactly what he did. You want water? You want, really? You haven't come that? Come here, come here. Everybody watch this. Ready? Okay, everybody, eyes on the rock. Eyes on the rock. Ready? You want, you, you rebel, you punks. Here's your water. He strikes the rock. Water flowed. But God wasn't pleased. And in that moment... Moses struck the rock with his staff. He was medicating his anger. Look at, look at the verse again. Look, verse 10. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out. Community and their livestock 
drank. I believe these two verses give us an insight to three ways that Moses medicated his anger. And I believe that they are the very same three ways that so many of us today medicate our anger as well. The first one is this, if you want to write it down. Number one, Moses medicated his anger with unhealthy actions. Moses medicated his anger with unhealthy actions. It says he struck the rock. God said, speak to the rock, and Moses struck the rock. And some of us know what it is to medicate our anger with our actions. Some of us know what it is to get so angry, to have such frustration that we punch a locker, that we've punched the wall, that we've kicked a hole in a door. Some of us know what it is to have unhealthy, and why? Why do we, why do we medicate with unhealthy uh, actions? Why do we do that? The reason why is because there's a release in that. There's some small sort of release when you hit a door, you hit somebody, and we've medicated our anger with unhealthy actions. For some of us, we've medicated our anger with unhealthy actions and we drink or we smoke or we eat when we get upset and frustration comes and anger comes our way and nobody's watching and nobody's looking, but we're clicking on sites on the internet that we shouldn't be looking at. We're acting in ways that we shouldn't be acting when we drink or we medicate our anger. With unhealthy actions. The second way Moses medicated his anger was with unhealthy talk. Unhealthy talk. Did you catch it? He said to the people, listen, you rebels. He lashed out with his tongue as as a way, as a form of medicating his anger. Fine, you rebels, you punks. And some of us know what it is to medicate our anger, the anger in our life, the frustration in our life by, with unhealthy talk. We know how to lash out at people and we've called names or we've said things that we knew weren't okay. But in the moment, we didn't know what else to do. So we medicated our anger with our words. Some of us, we lie. And the boss looks at us, but we're so angry and frustrated with our boss that when he says, do you know anything about this? We look back and we go... I don't know anything. We're medicating our anger with unhealthy talk, with unhealthy speech. Some of us have become masters of manipulation with our tongue. And out of anger, you know how to manipulate people with your words and twist things and turn things just so, so that not even they know. And they think you're giving them a hug and all of a sudden they feel a slap in the back of the head because you know how to manipulate with your words. Moses medicated his anger with unhealthy actions, with unhealthy talk. And third, Moses medicated his anger by carrying an unhealthy burden. Did you see it in verse 10? He, he calls it, come here, people. He come, they come around, come here. He gathers the people around, he and the rock, and he says to them, listen, you rebels. And then did you catch what it said next? He said, must we give you water? From this rock? I'm sorry. I didn't know human beings were capable of, of, of causing a rock to produce water. Of course, we're not. But see, Moses, in that moment of frustration, in that moment of anger, 
took a burden upon himself that he was never created or intended to bear. And some of us have found ourselves in a place where we are medicating our anger because of an unhealthy burden that God never meant for you to bear. And you look on at your situation, you look on at a relationship, you look on at your life and you go, and you are carrying the weight of that. And for some of us, it has led us to suicidal thoughts. Some of us, it has led us into a cul-de-sac of depression that we can't seem to find our way out of. Some of us, we have looked at ourselves and went, how did I get here? How am I thinking these thoughts? I, I've never thought I would ever reach a place in my life where I would, I would be thinking these things. This is so extreme. We've been cutting ourselves. We've been doing physical harm to ourselves. Why? Because we are carrying a burden God never intended or created us to, to carry and to bear. Moses medicated his anger with unhealthy actions, with unhealthy talk, and by carrying an unhealthy burden that he was not designed to carry. And look at what the result of that was. Verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in front of all these people, in sight of Israelites, look at, this, look at the consequence. You will not bring this community into the land I will give them. For those of us who know and are familiar with Bible history, we know that the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was literally two years away. He was on the goal line. Like for 38 years, he's charged the ball 95 yards down the field. Beautifully honoring God. But when he got to the goal line, he dropped the ball. He fell short of the goal. And he would live the rest of his life in frustration, knowing that he came up a little short of the goal line. Why? Because of anger. See, the result of medicating our anger is that we fail to experience all that God has for us. That's what happened. Moses ended up living a life of frustration, a life that was short of God's best for him. Why? Because of his anger. Every one of us right now, every one of us right now, I'm sure, can think of someone in our world who is not living God's best for their life. Why? Very simply because they're medicating what they should be trusting God in. So my challenge to us this weekend is simple, Next Level Church. The challenge is this. Where are we medicating what we should be trusting God with? Every one of us right now, you can, if you're medicating in your world in any way, shape, or form, you, you know what that is. We don't have to go into detail there. But watch this. Here's what I want us to understand. Moses failed to trust 
God. It wasn't wrong for Moses to be frustrated. Okay, listen, if you, if you lead a group of people for 38 years and they haven't learned a darn thing, you're allowed to be upset. Moses, there was, God wasn't upset that Moses was angry. He wasn't upset that Moses was frustrated. Moses had every right to be frustrated. What he didn't have a right to be was medicated. Does that make sense? We got to get this. Listen, it, it is okay to be angry. It's not okay to medicate our anger with unhealthy actions or unhealthy talk or carrying unhealthy burdens we weren't designed to bear. And what was the remedy? The remedy for Moses very simply was trust God enough. When you come to those moments of frustration, when you come to those moments of anger in your life, trust God. When you feel that temptation to want to medicate in some way, in that moment, pause just long enough to say, God, this is a moment where I really, really, really want to medicate. But instead, I'm going to trust you. Instead, I'm going to trust you. And did you see the result? God said, if you would have trusted me enough in that moment, it would have brought honor to everyone who was watching. So my challenge to us this weekend, to each one of us who are listening or watching in whatever environment that might be, the challenge for us this weekend is, where are you medicating where you should be trusting? And I think the important thing for us is to ask another question that's even deeper than that, and it's this. When you find yourself at that place where you go, man, I'm just so angry at my boss. Okay, listen, it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to medicate. It, it, we, we have to ask the question, what am I, why am I angry? Like, where's the, where's the source of the pain? Why am, I, why am I angry? Because if we can identify that, then in that moment, we can, we can hit the brakes and we can say, okay, stop. Before you click on what you shouldn't click on, before you drink what you shouldn't drink, before you say something that you're going to regret later, before you, before you think a thought that you know is not healthy, that you know is not going to lead you where you want to go, pause in that moment and say, hang on. What's going on? Why am I so angry right now? Who am I angry? Listen, it's, it's, it's okay to be frustrated in your work environment from time to time. It's okay to be frustrated in your marriage. It's not okay to medicate. It's okay to be frustrated in a relationship or in the financial zone or some, some other zone of your life. It's okay to be frustrated. But it's not okay for us to medicate with unhealthy action, unhealthy talk, or carry unhealthy burden that we were not designed to carry. And it's in those moments that God calls us to pause and to trust Him enough. Because when we do, the result is that everyone else looking on at our life will see a clearer picture of God than they've ever seen before. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pause for a moment. I want us to pray. And I want to ask God to touch so many of us who find ourselves being able to relate to Moses that we've medicated our anger somehow. So in whatever environment you're in, can you just pause with me? Will you just bow your head? And let's pray. Jesus, I come to you right now. And I thank you for an example. I thank you, God, for 
the example of Moses and what he was to the children of Israel and what he is to us in our faith today. And Jesus, I pray for every single person who's listening this weekend. I pray that your Holy Spirit right now would just turn on your search like, like only you can do and reveal to us those areas, those, those places in our life where we have been medicating our anger. And Lord, I pray that rather than feel any sort of condemnation in any way, shape, or form, Lord, we would feel the conviction of your Holy Spirit and we would respond. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and insight to understand why we're angry. Lord, help us to identify the source of the pain. It's okay to be frustrated. It's not okay for us to medicate. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd give us courage in the days ahead, that when we feel that temptation to medicate, that we would be able to pause And trust you instead. God, I pray that these frustrations, these moments of anger in our life would be a catalyst that would spur us on to greater trust in you than we have ever had before. And Lord, I pray that the result in coming days would be that so many in our spheres of influence, so many in our world, so many in our life, would be able to see a side of you and honor you like they've never been able to before. God, give us the courage to face our angry moments that we might trust you rather than medicate our anger. God, we pray all of these things in the name that's above every name. We pray them in the name of Jesus. And everyone who agreed said,